you're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. Today, we continue our summer sermon series, I Am, with a message from Pastor Lisa Durant titled, The Gate. Let's check it out. All right, good morning, Word of Life. What a time in the presence of the Lord this morning. I am just so thankful for that. I was actually, I was out at check-in and I was listening and then I was able to go back here and just spend some time in the presence of God. He's so good to us, isn't he? Um, Well, we have been in this series, the I Am series, and um, I want to welcome all of you that are here and those of you who are joining us online. If you're online and you need prayer, please make sure that you uh, just click that little prayer button and there will be a a chat host to talk to you. But we're going to have a time of prayer here also in person after the message. So be prepared for that, that we can respond in prayer this morning. Um, This series has been great so far, right? A couple weeks ago, Pastor Megan brought an amazing word uh, about bread and about how Jesus is our provision and he's all that we need. And then last week, Pastor Tom spoke about light and how Jesus is the light of the world. And then I got this super inspiring word, door. I got door. So when I got door, I was like, what am I supposed to do with door? And literally all I could think of, and I have to say it, it has to come out, is the movie Monsters, Inc. Does anybody... Seen Monsters, Inc. So when our oldest child, who shall not be named at this moment, when our oldest child was little, Monsters, Inc. was his absolute favorite movie. And I think we watched it three times a day for two years. And so every time I hear the word door, all I can think of is the quote, hello, there's a door here. But um, for the sake of being able to work through this message and also looking at some different versions, I'm actually going to be using the word gate and also the word door, because we see them interchanged and in the actual meaning uh, of what they are when Jesus says, I am the door or I am the gate. So we're going to dive right into our text this morning. I'm in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, That man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that your, tru- your word is living and active. And Jesus, we thank you that you speak to us through this word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would shine a light and that you would reveal to us what you want us to know today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. So I had to do a little research on this text because it's an odd little piece of text. And right after this, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, and I'm super excited about that message as well. But I wanted to kind of keep this where it needed to be. So when I was doing a little research on sheep and how they behave, I found some things out. I don't know a lot about sheep. Um, when I was a little girl, we, we lived in Mississippi until I was 10, and then we moved to upstate New York, and my grandparents had a little barn and a few animals in that barn. They had some chickens, some guinea hens, some ducks, and they had cows. And what cows do is they actually will come in and they go to the right pen. But here's the other thing that's in barns, which this has nothing to do with the message, but it's a fun little story and I thought you would enjoy it. And I have permission to share it. The other thing that's in barns are mice. Anybody been in a barn and they've encountered a mouse? Right, that's where they hang out. So I was this little girl from Jackson, Mississippi area, didn't, had never seen a mouse, and so my father decided that he was going to teach me all about how to catch a mouse. Those of you who know Dave Zare will particularly enjoy this story. And again, I have permission to share this. So one day, Dave Zare took me into the barn, the cows are over on this side, and he set a trap, I was 10, showed me exactly how the piece of cheese goes on that trap, explained what would happen, took me behind the cow pen, and said, now we wait quietly. And so we waited quietly. And it wasn't just a few minutes, and a mouse came out. That's what they do. And the mouse sniffed around, and he checked out the trap, and he looked around, and we're behind the, the pen. And pretty soon, the, the mouse walked right up to the cheese, sniffed it, took it off the trap, and walked away. <laughs> and I turned to my father, and I said, Daddy, is that how you do it? And that is my big story about learning how to handle animals in upstate New York. But at any rate, cows don't act like sheep. Cows are different. Sheep actually have to be shown where to go. They're, they're, they get lost, they wander, they get themselves into trouble. And that's why Jesus was using them as an analogy for people. And um, I know we're going to hear more about that next week. Um, but the term gate in this talks about a sheep pen or a sheepfold. And so when I imagine that, I imagine sort of a permanent sheepfold. And I think we have an image of something that might have been like a, a permanent sheepfold. So you might think about like a, a, a structure like this that would have had a door and there's a shepherd. It, it shows the sheep going in. And that was what was in my mind when I was doing the research. But actually, when I started to dive into this, this is actually how this is being explained um, and what Jesus is talking about, much more relatable to the people of the day. David Guzik said, when Jesus speaks of the door in this passage, he refers to it as a different type of sheepfold, one used out in the fields, not in the towns. A field sheep pen was an enclosure for sheep with only one entrance. It might be a cave, a stone, or mud brick structure, and it might or might not have a roof. I am the door means in a field, the sheepfold, the shepherd actually laid his body across the entrance to keep the sheep in and keep out the wolves. So the second image is more like what a sheepfold might have looked like um, in that day. And you can see that the rocks are just high enough to keep the sheep in, right? Not, 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 not a very high structure. This would have been put together. And that little opening right there in the front, that would have been the gate or the door. So Jesus would literally speak about, I am the gate or I am the door. He's talking about literally placing himself in the opening of a structure like this. And so there are several thoughts that I want to share with you today that this imagery brings to mind. And this is the first one. Jesus, the gate, 
offers protection from predators and danger. Now, this passage in John 10 comes right after a discussion in John 9. Um, there's no break between these passages, and scholars believe that they do go together. Um, there's a man who has been healed of blindness by Jesus. And he is questioned by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, because of the way that this happened. And eventually, he's removed from the synagogue, from his faith community, because of this encounter with Jesus. And so Jesus hears of this, and he goes and checks in with the man, speaks truth about what happened, because Jesus always speaks truth to us, even when other people don't, right? Jesus always speaks truth. And then he turns his attention to some of these Pharisees that are hanging out there. And then he goes right into the statement, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Now, Dick Lucas compares this chapter to a weapon of war against these religious leaders. They were constantly imposing more and more and more restrictions on the people, more rules, more regulations. They were watching them all the time. Um, and they would discredit and they would disparage Jesus as they were doing this. These faithless and false shepherds had no real care or concern for the people. They only cared about their own power because they led from a place of fear and control. And as Jesus begins to speak of himself as the gate or the door, as the shepherd of the sheep, we see Old Testament prophecy fulfilled in his words. In Jeremiah 23, 1 through 4, it says this, What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds, instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them, but I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold, and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. And here's another prophetic passage from the Old Testament. I'm not going to read all of it, um, but it's in Ezekiel 34. It's, if you read the whole thing, it's fascinating, but I'm going to start in verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. Now, Jesus compares himself in John 10 both to the shepherd and to the gate or the door. The gate, as depicted in this passage, would be the one who would lie down in the opening of the pen, making himself the only legitimate way inside. Only a thief or a criminal or someone who, who was planning harm to the sheep would hop over the pen, hop over the gate, and, or hop over the rocks and go around the gate and try to access the sheep in, the, in another way. So what he's doing is he is calling out the religious leaders who were making other ways besides the true door besides the true gate. See, just a chapter before, they had abandoned and kicked out this man who had been healed by the true one, the holy one, Jesus Christ. They made a decision about his ability to worship in his synagogue because of the touch of Jesus on his life. 
and they were worried more about the questions they might receive from others or the power that they might lose than they were about the flock. Now let me go back to Ezekiel, and I want to read more of the contrast between the false shepherds and Jesus. Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16 says this, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the, Im the injured and strengthen the weak. Now there are people who have been harmed by thieves and robbers who have hopped over the pen. There are people who have had damage caused to them, who have had destruction in their hearts because of leaders who have been cruel and unkind, because of leaders who have misused the word of God against their people, leaders who set themselves up as the only way rather than Jesus, the true gate. Maybe there are people in this room who have actually placed people on a pedestal above people or above Jesus Christ thinking that a person would be able to give them everything they needed spiritually. Instead of allowing themselves to go through the gate, they've given access to someone who has hopped over the pen and they've set themselves up for injury. But Jesus is reminding us here that he is the true protector. He is the one who keeps us safe. Anytime we get our eyes off Jesus the gate and look to someone else to be our protector, we put ourselves at risk. Anytime we think that a person, a relationship, a leader, a speaker, a friend, a spouse can be the one who can feed us and protect us, we set ourselves up to get messed up. The truth of who Jesus is, he brings protection to the sheep. And the sheep come into the fold because, this is my second point, Jesus the gate actively calls the sheep into the fold and protects them. John 10, 2 through 5 says this, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, typically, sheep don't seem to accidentally wander into the pen where they're supposed to be. They tend to wander into danger. And when we think of uh, sheep, sometimes we might think of something like a green rolling hill and sheep scattered little white dots all over the hill. But this was not the terrain that Jesus was in. There were deserts, there were cliffs, there were briars, there, were, there was flooding in those valleys when there would be rain. There were dangerous places. And the shepherd had to be watching out for the sheep and calling to them. He had an active part in leading them. They could not lead themselves. And so at the end of the day, they were called and they were brought into the safety of the enclosure, the sheepfold, by the shepherd. And the shepherd would have unique sounds or words 
for each sheep. And the sheep would know that voice and they would follow the shepherd. Now, for the moms in the crowd, and I know there are many of us in the crowd, have you ever heard another child call mom and just for a minute you stop to make sure that wasn't your child? It could be way over there. It could be all the way across the street. You hear a child call mom and you stop for a minute and then you realize that isn't my child. Let me make sure the kid's okay, but that's not my kid. But then when your own child calls mom, everything stops, right? Because we know our child's words. And then pretty soon they're going, mom, 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 mom mom, mom, mom. But we know our child's voice, right? We can pick our child out of a crowd. And in reverse, the shepherd would call to the sheep and the sheep could pick his name out from the crowd and they would follow him. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He comes and he finds us and he calls us actively to him. Matthew 18 outlines the parable of the lost sheep. When the one sheep is away from the flock and in grave danger and the shepherd leaves to actively look for it until it's safely brought back with the flock. So when sheep do what sheep do, which is sometimes wander off or have difficulty finding their way to safely, safety, Jesus said that he calls them to the sheepfold. This is an active work happening. Christ calls to us. It's not an accident. He is actively looking for us. He is actively pursuing us. We don't happen to stumble upon him in the days and the weeks and the months and even the seconds before our heart recognizes our need for a savior. Jesus himself is calling us and the Holy Spirit is working on us because this is a shepherd who actively pursues his sheep because he loves us. The love of Christ is so rich and so strong that he pursues us. Uh, Romans 2, 4, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. You know, our need for God and his calling of us goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And I'm going to turn into a kid's pastor for just a moment, and then I promise I'll turn back into whatever I've been up until now. Back at the beginning of time, there was a beautiful, beautiful garden at the intersection of four rivers. And that garden was perfect and everything in it was perfect. And God was there. And he created a man and a woman and everything was beautiful. Nothing was marred, nothing was broken. And every day, God came down and he walked with the man and the woman. And then one day, lies, disobedience, and sin entered that garden. Now God is holy and he cannot be near sin. And so because of the sin of man, they were separated from God for what seemed like forever. But God is good, and he made a plan. He made a promise, a covenant with the man and the woman right then and there. And he said, I will send someone, a redeemer, to fix your sin. And that someone is Jesus. And in his goodness and his mercy and his love for us, Jesus came and he is actively calling to us. He pursues us in a voice that we understand, and he brings us to him, to safety 
inside the sheep pen, away from them who would want to harm us or bring us destruction. Bruce Barton says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Because Jesus was the genuine Messiah, the sheep could enter through him to find salvation and freedom and eternal life. And the expression will be saved points to spiritual salvation and spiritual security. It could also be translated, will be kept safe. Salvation, safe. The sheep find pasture not as a result of their diligent searching, but through the gracious provision and care of the shepherd. You see, Jesus seeks us out and he calls us and he continues to call us. He continues to bring us away from things that will hurt us. He continues to remind us that these things will hurt our relationships with him, our relationship with others, and our own hearts and minds and bodies. He cares about us so much that he calls to us to protect us. Just as the shepherd would become the gate to protect the sheep and rescue them from predators, Jesus placed himself self in harm's way, just as the creator had promised. And he took the weight and the death and the shame upon himself so that we wouldn't have to. And in exchange for that, we get life because Jesus the gate opens to a rich and abundant life. You see, when I was reading this about door, I was thinking about a closure, but the gate opens to abundant life. John 10, 9 through 10, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, at the time that Jesus was speaking to the people, the Jewish people were constantly trying to fix their sin. Because from that moment in the garden until the moment that Jesus came as a sacrifice, there was a system for taking care of sin. And it was a difficult system to live with. And so these people were constantly trying to avoid sin. And if they sinned, they had to sacrifice to make up for it. And they were trying to avoid making a mistake accidentally or accidentally becoming unclean. It was difficult. It was a lot of work. They had to constantly make sure they didn't break the law. And if they did, they had to try to fix it. And these religious leaders that Jesus was speaking to and speaking about were the ones that were always policing people and making sure that things were handled according to the law. So during the life of Jesus, he would have known Herod's temple. Um, I have a model of what some scholars believe it looked like. It's crazy. We don't have like a digital picture of the of Herod's temple. That went over everybody's head. It's okay. So the temple that Solomon originally built, uh, which was the dwelling place of the presence of God, that had uh, basically been destroyed. That was the center of worship and sacrifice for the people. But King Herod the Great began renovating it around um, 20 BC. And, And we think it might have looked something like this. That was the simplest illustration that I could find of it. Um, And it consisted of layers or courts, and these courts were separated by gates and doors, and each court allowed access to fewer people until you got to the very center, which was the holy place where the presence of God rested. 
Um, and there were all these courts. These were some of the courts that were in, in Herod's temple. There was the court of the Gentiles. So anybody could access this court, and this was noisy. It was kind of like a bazaar, marketplace kind of um, vibe, and it was crowded and busy. The next court was the court of women. So Jewish men and Jewish women could go there. After that was the court of Israel. Only Jewish men could enter that court. So I'm already out. I've gone as far as I can go, right? Then there was the court of the priests. Only the priests serving sacrifices could go there. So that lets most of us out in this room, right? We couldn't go any further. Um, and then the holy place and then the most holy place where only the high priest could go once a year to make atonement for the people's sins. Now that court of the priests was filled with blood. It was filled with the sacrifice that had to take place in order to atone for the people's sin. In fact, one of the, the articles that I read about this said that there was a whole drainage system and, and water system to try to clear the blood out to keep that area clean. But can you imagine the chaos and the way that that must have been um, during that day? I can just, I can only imagine what that was like, noisy and dirty and bloody and chaotic. Now, each gate would prevent people from getting to the next court. You and I would not even be able to get near the blood. We would not even be able to get near the area where the blood was shed to atone for our sins, let alone get to the presence of a holy God. We would not be able to get there because each gate would stop another group of people. We wouldn't even be able to get to the place where atonement was made to temporarily cover up our sins. And it had to happen again and again and again. The gates and the curtains of the temple separated people from the very presence of God. But Jesus the gate opens and brings us right into his presence. Through Jesus, we can access the presence of a holy, righteous, just God, the one whose worth we are not even able to stand next to. And yet through Jesus Christ, yes, if one claps, we all have to. That's Pastor Tom's rule. We are made righteous through Jesus the gate. We are made righteous. Not only can we dare to come into the court where the blood is, but we can come right into the presence of a holy God because of Jesus Christ. We are included in the presence of God by the gate, not kept out. We are not excluded. Rather than having to constantly think of ways to atone for our sins, rather than having to worry about accidentally making a mistake, becoming unclean, messing up, trying to cover things up, we get to rely on the holiness of the Holy One. We get to rely on Him. We get to know that He has forgiven us. And when we are forgiven, the Holy Spirit begins to dwell inside of us. And He begins to change us from the inside out. He begins to change our thoughts. He begins to change our motives. He begins to change our words and our actions. He begins to guide our decisions. And instead of relying on an ancient sacrificial system, we can rely on the Holy One who is now living in 
inside of us. Our thoughts, our actions, our mindset, our motives changed by Jesus Christ. Rather than a life of survival from one mistake to the next, rather than worrying about how we're going to get to the next sacrifice, rather than worrying about making a mistake, we get to walk in rich, abundant freedom because of what Jesus has done for us and because of the rich, pure life that he has purchased for us because Jesus the gate opens to life that's in abundance, not life that's survival. Amen. Amen. No more sacrifices. Thank you, Jesus. No more substitutionary bloodshed. He's so good. Jesus did it all. He did it all. We don't have to do any of it. He is so good. Jesus is the gate. He is the one who protects us, and he's the one who brings us to truth. He's the one who walks us into the fold, and he's the one who brings us life, rich, pure, abundant life. Now, we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to spend some time allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. The worship team's going to come out, they're going to play, and then we're going to have a moment to respond in worship. And we're going to have a moment for you to come to these altars and pray if you want to do that. Some of us in this room may be carrying hurt from leaders who have hopped over a wall. Maybe we accessed something that we didn't need to access and we went around the gate to get there. Some of you maybe were taught things that were not exactly what the Word of God teaches and they were hurtful and they were harmful and they brought destruction. And I want you to know that healing is available for your heart today. I want you to know that Jesus Christ, the true gate, is a loving and gentle shepherd who corrects but does it in a loving way. Some of us in this room may be hearing Jesus calling our name. Calling our name. And maybe, maybe you knew that voice at one time. Maybe you were so aware of what it sounded like for Jesus to call your name. But you stopped listening for it. You decided to go in a different direction. And today, he's calling you. He has something to say to you today. He's saying he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And some of you who are in this room are living in survival mode. You're just trying not to mess up. You're thinking that... Everything that you do is wrong. You're carrying shame and you're carrying guilt and you're carrying weight. And Jesus the gate wants you to know you don't have to live in survival mode. You can live in pure, rich, and abundant life. So I'm going to ask you all to just bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. We're going to do that out of reverence for God and we're going to allow ourselves to focus and in kids' church, I always say, and that keeps us from staring at our neighbor. So if today you would like me to pray with you because you need healing, because you have been hurt, because you placed yourself under a leader or in a position where you were harmed or hurt, I want to pray with you today. Would you just get my attention? Just put your hand up or meet my gaze. I want to pray with you, yes. Yes. Yes, there's healing today. Jesus the gate is here. 
Jesus, the Holy One is here. Yes, I'm gonna pray with you today. Yes. Maybe you've placed someone in a position where Jesus should be and you've gotten off track. I wanna pray with you too. Thank you for your healing, Jesus. Maybe in this room today, some of you have known the voice of your shepherd, but you've chosen to tune him out. And today's the day that you're listening. And you want me to pray with you for your ears to be open once again. You want to hone in on the voice of your shepherd, the one who actively pursues you. If that's you, I want you to just quickly get my attention. I want to pray for you, yes, yes, yes. Jesus actively calls to us. He knows us and he calls us by name. Yes, yes. I'm gonna pray with you that you will tune your ears to the voice of your shepherd. And then today, some of you are living in survival mode. You're just dealing with guilt and shame. And this rich, abundant, pure life that I'm talking about seems like it's something far away. It's not accessible to you. But I wanna let you know that Jesus shed his blood for you so that you could have rich, pure, and abundant life. Doesn't mean you won't have trouble. It doesn't mean you might not uh, deal with heartache, with sickness, with death on this earth, but he is going to give you abundant, rich, pure life that is full of his grace and his mercy. If that's you and you want that life today, I'm gonna start over here at uh, my left, you're right, because there's a lot of lights in here, and I'm gonna watch, and if you want that abundant, pure life, if you wanna trade your shame and your guilt and your sin, I see you. Yes, I wanna pray with you. Hallelujah. I'm coming over to the middle area. Get my attention. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is here. I'm coming over to um, my right, your left. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Listen, we're all going to pray this morning. I want to pray for you. And at the end, we're going to pray this prayer together that we pray every week. Because some of you are making a decision today to trade your life of survival, the life of sin, that has been an age-old problem of man since the, since the garden. You're gonna trade that life for a life full of rich, pure love from Jesus Christ. But before that, we're all gonna pray together. So Father, I'm asking right now that you bring healing to hearts today. God, for those who have been hurt by thieves and robbers who hopped over the sheep pen, God, we know that there is healing today through Jesus Christ, and I pray that you would heal hearts, minds, and lives in the name of Jesus. You would heal families. You would heal relationships, that people would know that you are a shepherd who is kind and loving. Jesus, I pray for those in this room who need to tune into your voice. God, I pray that your voice would be so clear right now that they would hear exactly where you're guiding them. God, that they would not forget the voice of their shepherd who actively seeks them out. And now I wanna pray with those of you who raised your hand, you wanna trade your life of sin and survival for a life that's pure and rich. We're gonna all pray with you. So we're gonna pray this prayer together. I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me. We're all gonna pray with you, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you 
to be the Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's celebrate together. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you have done, Jesus. You are so good.